A happy new year to you all. It's good to see half of you here this morning. The half that's here. <laughs> the rest of them are no doubt languishing beside the beach or beside a, a lake and enjoying the great outdoors. However, we shall enjoy the great indoors. Amen. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this morning, Father. We pray that our hearts will be open to your truth. Holy Spirit of God, do a new thing in us this day, we pray. Help us to walk closer to Jesus day by day, understanding, Lord, all that he has done for us. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. My message this morning is Freedom Through Christ, and it's taken from the passage of Scripture in uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And this passage of Scripture has special meaning to me because it was prophesied over me when I was baptised. And I've yet to see its complete fulfilment, and I look forward to the day that I do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's why we're here this morning, aren't we? The poor in the Spirit. They shall see the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. Now this passage of scripture is taken from Isaiah 61. But Jesus actually adds a phrase in here that is not in the original. And recovery of sight to the blind. And in John 9, we read where Jesus went around, uh, went, uh, uh, sorry, where Jesus in his ministry healed the blind man. And there's a great discourse take place as a result of this because the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees said, how did you get to be healed? You've been blind since birth. He said, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Where once I was blind, now I see. But they themselves were still blind, spiritually blind. So Jesus not only gave sight to the physically blind, he also gives sight to the spiritually blind as well. When we look back through the history of mankind, it makes for very bleak reading. It's a history of darkness, despair, desolation and despondency. There are patches where the sun has broken through the storm clouds of life. But in general, people existed rather than lived. Mankind was living constantly under the oppressive rule of sin and suffering. Adam had forfeited his God-given right to unlimited access and fellowship with him. We go back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. We see where God made man in his image and in his likeness. 
And I see that these two words have a distinct, different meaning, though there is some similarity between them as well. And the image speaks of the, um, the original word speaks of the phantom, the illusion, the resemblance. So this all speaks of that spiritual aspect of God who, is, who himself is spirit. And the likeness was after our fashion. We see that the whole of the Trinity was involved in the creation of man. And so after our fashion, this is after our manner, after our similitude, speaks of the character, the disposition and the nature of God. And we see this represented in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I was at a meeting one time with the, uh, when I was a youth leader at, um, in, in Waipawa there and we had a meeting at the local Catholic church for all the youth uh, groups in the area. And the, the priest that was there at the time spoke of the fruit of the Spirit. And he spoke of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and chastity. I thought, my gosh, no procreation. <laughs> yeah, this is the sort of fallacies that has been taught. Self-control was the word that he lacked. Albert Barnes, a commentator on the Bible, says, Here then are the great points of conformity to God and man, namely reason, speech, will, and power. By reason we apprehend concrete things in perception and consciousness and cognize abstract truth, both metaphysical and moral. By speech we make certain easy and sensible acts of our own, the signs of the various objects of our contemplative faculties to ourselves and others. By will we choose, determine and resolve upon what is to be done. By power we act either in giving expression to our concepts and words or effect to our determination and deeds. And the reason is evolve the distinction of good and evil which is in itself the approval of the former and the disapproval of the latter. And the will is unfolded that freedom of action which chooses the good and refuses the evil. And the spiritual being that, ex that exercises reason and will resides the power to act, which presupposes both these faculties, the reason as informing the will, and the will as directing the power. That is the form of God in which he has created man and condescends to communicate with him. Three things that man lost through the fall was knowledge, truth, and righteousness. They have all been restored to us through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Through him we come into a deeper knowledge of, of God and who he is, the Father, and the, uh, the makeup of the whole of the Trinity. Through truth we understand the true meaning of what God has said. And righteousness, of course, our own righteousness is as filthy rags. But God, Jesus, imputes his righteousness to us. He restores to us the likeness that we had 
in God at the former creation. For some of us, it takes a bit more time than what for others. Than that for others. I'm not dead because God ain't finished with me yet. There's an ongoing work. We are being, we are a work in progress. Amen. A work in progress. He who began a good work in you will complete it. There's hope for tomorrow. There's hope for this year. Genesis 2.7, where God breathes into man. We see that word life there. He breathed life into them. That's in the plural. God breathes lives into man. The human life and the spiritual life. But through Adam's disobedience, the spiritual aspect of his life is severely impaired and through the passage of time, all mankind has lost a conscious connection with God. The Apostle Paul speaks of man being dead in their trespasses and sins. In Ephesians chapter 3, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we all, we too all, formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Not one of us is declared not guilty of that charge prior to Christ coming into our lives. Amen? We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all walking around thinking that we had life, but we were dead. But praise be to Jesus, there was hope. There's hope for us today. There's hope for many tomorrow that his life would be imputed to them. But God had a plan for man's redemption and restoration back into full fellowship with him through Jesus. He intends to unequivocally renew us in all holiness and power. But how is he going to do this? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Note, the Holy Trinity was collectively involved in Adam's creation and is also collectively involved in man's redemption and restoration. This fact is important. Exclude one member of the Trinity and you do not have full restoration. You cannot pick and choose between God the Father, Jesus the Son, or the Holy Spirit because they are one. Some people do not accept the Holy Spirit in their lives. They want no part of it. Come into that a bit more later on. And of course their lives are nowhere near as um, developed or grown as it should be. Lynn and I knew a gentleman of old. He was in his 70s. 
when he got baptized, he'd been a Christian for a number of years. He had never, ever been baptized. And Lynn had the blessing of going through to uh, Hastings to his, his uh, baptism. Uh, we were involved in the scouting movement at the time. And when he got baptized, he also prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he received him. And he said to Lynn afterwards, he says, Oh, he says, what I have missed in these years leading up to this. He said, my life would have been so much more enriched had I received the Holy Spirit many years ago. That was a testimony from a man who had such a blessed nature. He was a treasure to be with. His scout name was Sunshine. And he exuded sunshine. <laughs> he is a lovely guy to be around. But yet he says, how much, how much I missed because I had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It brought him into a new freedom in Christ Jesus. So Jesus announces his mission statement in the place of his upbringing in Nazareth. His mandate was to minister to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, and them that are bruised, to introduce the dispensation of grace in which we now still live. Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. That is something that some of us do not want to have. Or we want to have the power without having the Holy Spirit. We want to have the Holy Spirit, but we don't want him to exercise his power through us because it might embarrass us. It might get us, he might ask us to do something we don't want to do. Before I became a Christian... I was a person who was very withdrawn, very introvert. The stupid part about it, I was a policeman. And I hated violence. Ask yourself, God's got a sense of humour, hasn't he? Hey? <laughs> if I'd not become a policeman, I'd never have been in the place that I was when I got saved. It's God's providence. God was guiding my steps even those years when I didn't know him. And in a public meeting, I wouldn't say boo to a goose. I'd have a tank full of beer before I got happy. That was my life. Not long after we were saved, I was saved. I saved about the June, I think, at a, a um, family camp. And the following November, I think it was, we had a uh, AMP show in um, in Waipakarau, where I was um, policing at the time. As I said, I, I wouldn't say boo to a goose in front of a crowd. 
And the pastor said to me, she says, Bill, when these dances are finished, and the youth group were doing a dance, the, uh, and, and um, a bit of drama, she said, when they finished, I want you to get up and speak. Now, if that's not being put on the spot, I don't know what is. And Lynn said to me, she says, what are you going to say? I said, I don't know. I said, I just have to trust the Holy Spirit. Fortunately, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit by this time. And I knew I had. And you know when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I get up there and I spoke. Microphone. Be a tent just across the way where half the guys I used to have a bit of um, interaction with at times were in there boozing. They came out and I spoke. And when I finished, one of the other guys in the church, a friend of mine, he said, well, he said, that's your first evangelistic message. God gave me the anointing. Jesus says the Holy Spirit has baptized me, has anointed me for this hour, for this ministry. When was he baptized? In the Holy Spirit? It was on the day of his water baptism. He was not filled with the Holy Spirit before that. Yes, he was the Son of God. But as the Son of God in human form, he still required the fullness of the Spirit of God in him. And friends, if Jesus needed him, how much more do we need him? Amen? It was he who released Jesus into his ministry. So continuing with Acts 10, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were opposed to the devil. For God was with him. Jesus came with the intention of commencing the process of the redemption of all men, women and children and gave us the mandate of continuing the work that he started. So how do we gain this freedom through Jesus? How do we gain this freedom through Christ? First of all, I believe it is freedom through his word. Romans 1.16 says, For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Unless we believe the gospel message, unless we believe the word that Jesus has spoken and proclaimed, and made available for all mankind, unless we take that word and take it into our hearts and act upon it, we cannot be saved. And the gospel is the power of God. The word of God is the power of God. The Holy Spirit works with his word and implants it into the hearts and the minds of men, women, and children. And they say either, yes, I will accept, or no, I will reject. They have a choice. 
So the gospel, the word of God. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That word of God. How many of you daily study the Bible? How many of you daily read the Bible? It is that which sets you free. The knowledge of God's word. The knowledge of who God is. That sets you free. A Christian cannot expect to grow in the graces of God if he only avails himself of the word of God once a week on a Sunday morning. Each one of us need to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth and development and not leave it to anybody else. You know, the funny thing is, is when we're growing up as children, we are watched over by our parents. They do things for us. They tell us what to do, where to go, and all this sort of stuff, what time to go to bed, what time to get up. Put your clothing out for washing, all that sort of stuff, all right? But as we grow and develop, parents start taking their hands off, saying, I have told you time and time again. (laughs) But they start taking hands off and allowing you to develop your own nature, your own character. And I can tell you now that there are probably representatives in this room that I won't even look at today that probably still have messy bedrooms. How many times have I told you to clean up your bedroom? (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. But God leads us to develop. He leads us to grow. It's the same as we do with our own children. At times, we t- we got, at some stage, we have to take hands off and say, right, I have taught you all I can. You are now on your own. And most kids lead pretty good lives. Hallelujah. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and he will not depart from it. And the paraphrase of that is, train up a child in the way that he should go, and go that way yourself. The word, the daily attention to the word of God, that is what brings you into freedom. I've started on a new course, if you like. I've um, downloaded the sermons of Spurgeon. They are fascinating. They are fascinating. I'm trying to read one a day. There's an app you can download for your tablet, for your phone. And uh, read one a day. By gee, they're great. They are good stuff. Feeds my spirit. Feeds my spirit. Failure or refusal to believe the word of God will always keep you bound and unable to live the life of freedom he's promised you. Embrace the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Live the word daily. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is sharp and living and active, and it penetrates the soul and marrow. 
It goes deep within us. The Word of God is living and active. And we ask God, Lord, show me what you want me to see this day through your Word. Speak to me through your Word. Because your Word means life. It means liberty. Many will refrain from reading and learning the Bible truths and as such keep themselves captive to untruths and half-truths, but do not come into the full release that the truth offers. I mentioned that little incident there a while ago about the, uh, the Catholic priest who incorrectly quoted the word of God. But because I knew the truth, I knew that he was wrong. I wonder how me and that chapel that day and that uh, church that day didn't know what the truth was, didn't know really what the correct um, reading was. The philosophy and wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. His applied word alone can set you free. Now I don't have time to go through them all at this stage, but I have a list here of scriptures that I have underlined in my Bible. I have highlighted them. And I was able to quickly go through and sort out some of those scriptures the other day when I was preparing for this. And uh, I'm just going to read a couple to you. Um, I love the Psalms. The Psalms are absolutely fantastic for... um, for words of encouragement or even words of prayer. Turn the word of God into a prayer for yourself. David said at one stage, he says, Lord, set a guard over my mouth and set a watch over my lips. What a great prayer. What a great prayer. And so I pray that into my life as well. Psalm 16, 7 and 8. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. What? God counseled me? Yes. We heard just recently that God is counselor. He counsels me. Where do I get information on how to live? Through the word of God. He counsels me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. How many times have you woken up at night and started thinking about some issue in your life or some problem and then the word of God will come in and show you the truth? Something that you have read before that the Holy Spirit brings to your notice. I find often that if I have to prepare a message, I'll be awake at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep again. And I am preaching to you guys. (laughs) And I am just preaching from the cuff for what God has put into my heart. And it's exciting stuff. I want to get up and do it then. But if I came down here, you wouldn't be here. But God counsels me in the night. My mind instructs me. I have set the Lord continually before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Hallelujah. 
I will not be shaken. Doesn't matter what happens in life. Doesn't matter what, what comes upon me at all times. We, we talk about the trials and the testings and the stress and all that sort of stuff. I will not be shaken. Why? Because Christ is my rock. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is my sustenance. He's my sustainer. He supports me. He's encouraging me. He counsels me. He leads me in the way of righteousness. He fills me with his truth. Hallelujah. That's why I love my Lord. Because he is my all in all. One more. If anybody wants a list of these afterwards, that will come and see me. Better still search for me yourself. You have a lot more fun. Psalm 42, verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Hallelujah. How many times do you wake up at night and you're singing? You're singing in your mind. Have you done that? How many of you done that? Come on, let's see the hands. You wake up at night and you're singing to God. And it might have been a, a, hymn, a song that we've sung in church or it might be something else you've heard. Hallelujah. It just comes unbidden to your mind. You start singing it. Yes, it blesses you. Right, we better press on. Page 21. Right, that's, that's freedom through the word. Freedom through Christ. John 8, 36. If the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Love it. Love it. If Jesus has done that work for you and I, we need to walk in that freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Be not taken down again to what you once were. Do not allow your life to deteriorate from the moment that God saved you. Do not become entangled. Don't go be like a dog that goes back to its vomit and say, I want to go back to my old way of life. I'm saved now. I've got me ticket to heaven. I can go and do what I want. No way, Jose. If Christ has set you free, then walk in that freedom. Develop that freedom. Do not give the devil an opportunity to get his hook into you again and pull you back. Do not become entangled again in that yoke of bondage. Reflect on the terrible sufferings our Lord endured into the hands of his tormentors during his final hours following his betrayal, arrest, and subsequent crucifixion, for all for you and I, and ask yourself these questions. Am I living in the fullness of the freedom that he wrought for me? Secondly, is my life a reflection of his? 
in relation to commitment, endurance, sacrifice, which enables me to engage in the ministry he has for me. Each one of us has a ministry in Christ. Amen. And see, am I taking every opportunity to ensure my life is free from the contaminants of this evil world? 1 John 9 tells us that confession leads to a cleansing from all sin. But I love this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 How many of you know it? Even the pastor doesn't put up his hand. <laughs> oh, you just turned to it, haven't you? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. Yes, I love it. I love it. But yet I look in the mirror and I see what I was a few years ago. Oh, I recognize that guy. But God sees me through Jesus' eyes. I see me through my eyes. I see through me as that sinful person that I was before I was saved. But God looks at me and he sees me through Jesus' eyes. And he sees righteousness. He sees purity of heart. He sees someone in whom he has breathed the breath of life. Hallelujah. That is where you and I are today. If you love Jesus Christ. We are a new creation. Or another translation has a new creature. I prefer creation. <laughs> Though I do love my creature comforts. Old things have passed away. That's a fact. Do you believe it? Mm, not too certain about that. Old things have passed away. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me, or died for me. He saw himself as a new creation, dead to the old way of life. That is how we need to see ourselves, dead to the old way of life. Dead to what we were. Dead to what God thought of us in the past as a creature of wrath. A son of disobedience. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Hallelujah. And the Greek says, all things are continually becoming new. Because why? I'm growing in grace day by day. Hallelujah. I'm growing in grace. I want to ask how many of you are still carrying the baggage of the past? Regrets, fears, failures, rejections, disillusionments, disappointments, broken relationships. The list goes on. 
Sometimes we are our own worst enemies and that will not let the past go. We do not give it up to Jesus to take away the hurt and the guilt and the burden. Lay it down and do not take it up again. It's in the past. Somebody once said, if Satan brings up your past, you bring up his future. I like that. You see, my past, all those things that I used to do that God did not approve of are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I have freedom in Jesus. I have been released from the power of sin and death. Glory to God. Can you say amen to that? Released from the power of sin and death. Old things have passed away. So enter into the freedom Christ purchased for you in in his shed blood. Let him deal with it. Because you haven't been able to. None of us can deal with our past sins. None of us. Not a thing we can do to justify ourselves before God. We have to leave it for him. And leave it with him. Amen? Right. It's a whole new year. Leave the events of last year behind. Determine this year that you're going to have a new life in Christ, a new freedom in Jesus. Hallelujah. You're going to get rid of the baggage that you've been carrying around. Because it bears you down, it grinds you down. Walk in that newness, that freedom of Christ. I'm reminded of of, um, the story of of, uh, Peter in prison in Acts 12. Acts 12, 1 to 12. You can read it yourself when you get home. And he was chained between two guards. What was he doing? He was sleeping. He was sleeping. Probably be killed tomorrow, but he was sleeping. Now, one commentator says that his, his heart was so at peace, his mind was so at peace with Christ, his life was so lost in Jesus, he didn't care whether he lived or died. And so he was sleeping, he was content. How would you and I feel if we were chained between two guards, lying on a bundle of straw on the ground, thinking that tomorrow you're going to be taken out and either crucified or beheaded or put to the sword or whatever? How would you feel about that? Oh, there are just so many things that I wanted to do in life, Lord. I just, I'd be grumbling about it. We'd be awake all night. We'd be worried about it. But Peter was sleeping. But sometimes we can be like Peter from a different perspective. We can be chained to the things of the world and be asleep to it. We can be imprisoned by the things that the world throws at us day by day and be unaware. But what did it take to wake him up? Anybody know? What did it take to wake Peter up? An angel had to come along and kick him in the ribs. And sometimes we need a jolt from God, don't we? 
We need a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Wake up. Wake up. You're slumbering. Wake up to your situation. Wake up to your plight. Wake up to the fact that you are chained. Wake up and be released. Because as soon as he was awake, those chains fell off. And he was led to freedom. Friends, you and I need to cry out to God at times and say, Lord, kick me in the ribs. Wake me up to my true plight, my true situation. And release me, Lord. Release me. Romans 8.1 says, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. Hallelujah. Christ writes across my portrait in heaven. He says, not guilty. Free. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Freedom through the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11 to 30. Many Christians even today are cautious of and reticent about the influence of the Holy Spirit. This speaks of where Jesus says to... Um, excuse me. To the um, people, he says, if your father offered you good gifts, would you give them something bad? If your son asked you for a, you know, a nice gift, would you give him a snake? Or somebody else, would you give them a stone? How much more does God want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? God wants each one of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once, but a continual on filling. And that's what I love about it. God continues to refresh us, refill us, renew us in the Spirit. The Scripture speaks of, 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 the, um, of the apostles who have been filled again. After they received the initial filling, they've been filled again with the Holy Spirit. A fresh and filling, a top up. Hallelujah. And I think as we grow in our walk with the Lord, we need to have that continual top up of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For what he gave us beforehand is not sufficient for what he wants us uh, to do for today. And he fills us afresh. He's indwelling. So many Christians even today are cautious and reticent about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They fear that they might be obligated to do something they don't want to do. They want to remain in control of their own lives and not surrender fully and unequivocally to God. They are afraid that they will be expected to do something they might embarrass them, i.e. speaking in tongues, prophesying, etc. Some have been taught that the Holy Spirit and his gifts are not relevant for today. I want to say that I think it's actually a, um, it's even more relevant. But that it was a new church era only. Oh, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change. What was required for the early church is just as much required for today. Agree with me on that? Hmm. Hmm. So these are all lies for the devil, for he knows that the Holy Spirit is God on earth, continuing the ministry through the saints that Jesus initiated. 
2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Come into such a beautiful liberty in the spirit. The believer in the church that fully embraces the ministry of the personage of the Holy Spirit in their personal and corporate lives is the church that grows. Amen, Pastor? <laughs> Put, putting you on the spot there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm slow thinker. That's all right. That's all right. Listen to the tape. <laughs> okay, he wants me to wrap up. Okay. There's no lasting growth for the kingdom of heaven unless the Holy Spirit is in charge. All right? Um, and Acts 1 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. The last point, then it'll be a wrap. Freedom is conditional on your mindset. Romans 12.2 says all must have a change of mindset to fully appreciate a new life in Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Proverbs 23.7 says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. And Romans 8.6 says, for the mind set upon the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. God's original default setting for man and Adam was to having a mind set upon the purposes of God. Sin reset those defaults so that, sin, that all sins have been born with rebellious selfishness that opposes God for the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Christ has set you free. Free to serve him without reservation as Adam was created to do. Matthew Henry says, All the servants of Christ are free men. They are free from Satan's dominion, the law's condemnation, the wrath of God, the uneasiness of duty, and the terrors of death. Where do you stand in regard to freedom through Christ today? Where do you stand? Are there issues in your life that have been mentioned? Or the Holy Spirit has quickened to you this morning and need attention today? For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time to set it right with God. Now is the appointed time, the day of salvation. T.S. Eliot says, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. Your freedom is too precious to be left to chance or to a more convenient time. Christ gave his life to purchase it for you. Take hold of his promises to you today and live in greater freedom all the days ahead. Hallelujah. And that is a wrap. But what I want to say to you this morning is if you have something that you need to be free from, if you need prayer, please come out. We will pray for you and trust that God will release you this day. I don't care what the issue is. If it needs to be dealt with, let God deal with it. Don't walk in bondage any longer. Don't be entrapped by that yoke of bondage any longer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, mighty God, for your wonderful word to us today. Lord, we pray, 
Lord, that you'll continue to work the truth of your word into our spirits, into our lives. That we may walk in that newness of life that you purchased for us upon the cross of Calvary. Help us, Lord, to take advantage of every um, opportunity, Lord, of building our lives with you through your word, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, Lord, through a change of mindset. Lord, may this year be a year of difference for each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.